So today's episode is talking about the link between nutrition and mental health. This goes very deeply and we have an amazing guest today that has a wealth of knowledge and experience around nutrition and mental health to help really tie the link between the two. I know from my own journey around uh, trying to achieve this ideal body, trying to um, achieve an ideal uh, state of health and trying to achieve an ideal state of mental health has been a journey. So to be able to talk to someone like our guest has been such a pleasure and has been an eye-opener as well. So we get into conversation today about the link between mental health and nutrition, about how mental health complements nutrition and how nutrition complements mental health at the same time how they can take away from each other as well. So we talk about what the link is and how we can start taking steps to help both of these tie together in a positive way. We speak about eating disorders in the first segment of the podcast and then eventually we flow into as well this talk about mental health, about how this effect is occurring and to what level, what layer this is going to. We talk a little bit about foods that one might avoid, foods that one might be suggested to eat. And also we speak on some topics that at the moment unfortunately aren't really talked about in society as a societal norm. So we'll bring that all to the surface and then finally we also speak about how you can support your peers. Something that unfortunately isn't talked about enough either. So enjoy as we go into depth in this podcast about how you can start to take steps in a positive manner to help with body image, to help with nutrition, to help with mental health. Let's do it. And what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Pocket Coach Podcast. So we're back. This is our first interview of this specific season, and I'm very excited. This is actually my mother's nutritionist (laughs) (laughs) or ex-nutritionist when my mom gets motivated again. (laughs) She'll be back on track. And uh, Kimberly Bell, that's her name. She has a beautiful focus on this duality of nutrition on the physical aspect and the psychological aspect. And she understands so deeply how it ties crucially into mental health and how mental health ties crucially into nutrition. So this beautiful cohesiveness of these two dualities is something we're going to speak about a little bit today. Now, Kimberly Bell, she's a holistic non-diet. She has a holistic non-diet approach. And what's beautiful about this is in the past when, for example, I've gone off and wanted to get shredded (laughs) i've had a very very strict diet approach which is completely opposite and consequently it has negatively affected my mental health having such a strict diet approach and that's why i'm so in awe of the work that kimberly is doing alongside of the fact that she's also doing a lot of work around neurolinguistic programming she's a master practitioner of nlp kimberly bell also has a strong specialty in disordered eating. She's a registered nutritionist. She has a bachelor and double major in human nutrition and exercise sports science. So she's got a huge range of specialty within this nutrition aspect. So I'm very excited to introduce Kimberly Bell. Welcome. Thank you so much mm. for having me, and that was a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal. In- you got my disease. <laughs> yeah, I got your disease. Today. Yeah, that was an amazing introduction. Um, yeah, thank you so much for having me on the mm. show. And yeah, it's been definitely something that we've been looking forward to doing for a mm. while, which is awesome. Both been on similar journeys in the in the mindfulness space, and yeah, yeah it's um it's exciting to be able to talk to you about um, non diet nutrition and uh, you know what I'm seeing in in my space and how they link into the sort of work that you're doing too. Mm. Oh, thank you, thank you. It's honestly a real pleasure to have you. It really is. This is something that I think is so crucial to speak about um, in the mental health space and isn't often enough spoken about in this space. And vice versa, of course, right? The mental health space isn't really talked enough about within the nutrition space, from my understanding either. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm really glad that you that you brought that up. Um, so, you know, something I'm noticing a lot with, with my clients is um, they are really, a lot of them are really suffering in that mental health space, especially um, women struggling with their relationship with food and their relationship with their bodies. And 
this is really why I decided to go from just the nutrition consulting side, which is advising people on what to eat, um, to moving into more of a, a coaching role. So I guess for the um, for the listeners, um, what I what I think we'd love you guys to get out of this chat is, um, you know, if you or you know of somebody who is struggling with their relationship with food or their relationship with their with their body, um, that you know this is it's really really common, and um, I feel that a lot of the women I work with feel quite isolated and um, like the the boyfriends of these girls don't really know you know, sometimes don't know what they can do to support them. And so this is kind of, you know, I love these podcasts because I think it's a great chance to start getting some awareness out there mm. in terms of, um, yeah, what people are struggling with day to day that don't really get talked about very yeah. often. Yeah. I'd actually like yeah. to briefly touch on eating disorders, Evan. Is that something that you've dealt much with? Yeah. So the eating disorder space is, it's a really tricky space um, because it's hard to help people who have been diagnosed with an eating disorder unless you have a psychology degree and even um you know put this aside, we have a bit of a problem with eating disorders at the moment in New Zealand because there's there's not enough people who are given permission to help and there's an average of three to four months waiting list so even though I've done a nutrition degree and um upskilled and like I've done an eating disorder course a body image course yeah. I'm still not technically qualified to take on somebody with an actual eating disorder um and so i the best thing i can do at the moment is to work on disordered eating so disordered eating isn't considered a mental health condition um eating disorders are mm. <laughs> whether that's necessarily true i um <laughs> this is a bit controversial but yeah. um uh, after my nlp training i do think um uh, eating disorders it's 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 not necessarily that black and white and there may be some misdiagnosis there sometimes and i think we can do probably a lot more um in the prevention side but also early onset of eating disorders i think a lot of coaches and people with um you know awareness of intuitive eating and body image healing could probably have a big impact in that space as well yeah so yeah, I forgot what yeah. the question was. You were just asking about eating disorders and yes. Um, yes. what's happening there. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting <laughs> it that you nice. bring that up as well about the early onset symptoms of yeah. eating disorders because um, within the work that I do, right, I'll come across uh, a lot of people that do have those early onset symptoms where mm. they're um, worried about their body, mm. they're not eating enough or they're eating too much um, due to this or that. And uh, the relationship with food is very toxic as well. And hearing these symptoms come to the surface, it's so important to be able to um, identify those and actually treat them as well with mm. res um, the respect that um, someone with a really deeply ingrained eating disorder would be treated as well mm. in the way of, okay, this is actually something I need to make a priority to actually solve and um, come to some sort of internal solution that I, I can create that's sustainable. Um, because otherwise uh, we're just creating solutions and not um, we're not getting to um, any preventative measures that are necessary to actually bring down the eating disorder rate that's going on here in New Zealand, which is huge, unfortunately. Um, so that's just really my thoughts. I mean, what are your thoughts on the idea of uh, how, uh, yeah, these early onset symptoms mm -hmm. and um, really the talk about that needs to be brought to the surface more and um, what people can actually do about them as well? Yeah, I think... Um... So, so, so there's a couple of things there. So, um, to, yeah, so I guess, yes, you're agreeing that um, those early onset symptoms are important that we address. Yeah. 100%. Um, I think what we can do there is it would be really great, I think, if more health practitioners, like health providers, um, not just nutritionists, mm. learn how to be learn, learn how to speak from an, in, in a non-diet language yeah so um this is something that i'm actually really i, I think i might end up doing long term as i'd love, love to actually put together some sort of training course that um personal trainers naturopaths you know doctors can um 
can, can go through to understand how they can communicate with people through a non-diet lens. Because a lot of this, um, you know, the early onset stuff, it does actually come from from language and it comes right. from what's like what's re- what's requested in like a health setting like yeah. for example um it's difficult to go to a doctor without being asked to be put on the scales mm. um a lot of doctors will sort of say that weight lo- if you know you just need to lose weight and then everything will be better and they focus so on weight loss as a solution right. um instead of helping the solution yeah um and uh you know even in like that you know there are a lot of great like health influencers out there who are reaching a lot of people and if they are glorifying you know us always a slimmer leaner body and putting the focus on that that's giving potentially damaging messages to yeah. people out there who are trying to work on their health mm. so i think definitely from a prevention method i would love to see more health providers um really supporting I mean, my, my niche is women, but I know it applies to men as well. But um, changing this, I guess, the messaging out there to say, you know, we, we're working on health. We're not, you know, you're okay as you are. Um, you know, if you get leaner, if you lose weight, that's great for that to be like a side effect of working on your health. Mm. But are we, I think we need to shift this focus to working on your health um, instead of just intentional weight loss and yeah. something I've talked to you, you know, previously about. Um because this is kind of, I think, kind of where it's stemming from, you know, like this is what diet culture is. It's this intentional weight loss without, um, and that being the focus instead of it being focusing on health and body change is just a interesting side effect from that with no value attached. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it shouldn't be that it's good, bad, negative. It's just an interesting side effect. Yeah, for sure. And I love that we had that conversation before this because Mm -hmm. I was just sharing with Kim, earlier about my experience with if it fits your macros so many people especially those gym junkies out there would know what i'm talking about <laughs> when <laughs> yeah. i go on this topic yeah. and um i was a personal trainer previously and my one of my big focuses was this concept of counting my macronutrients and calories without even looking at the health aspect of it so how it was affecting my energy how it was affecting uh, energy i looked at a little bit but yeah. mostly how it was affecting my overall health was i getting the right nutrients was i um was i taking in foods that were just completely uh destroying my gut was i taking in foods that were actually helping my gut i didn't mm. look at any of this stuff and it's interesting that over time this built up built up built up until eventually i had this big energy crash about five, six months ago, uh, where just everything just came crashing down simply because, of course, it's not, um, you know, I eat one thing and it kills me, right? <laughs> yeah. like it builds up over time. So it's something that I was so unaware of due to the fact that I didn't pay attention to the symptoms that were occurring of that. Um, so I think it's so important that, um, yeah, because I was so focused on the physical aspect, A, I was negatively um, affecting my mental health because I wasn't lean enough, I wasn't ripped enough, I wasn't attractive enough, all these uh-huh. different things. Mm-hmm. And I was so critical about that. B, I was also neglecting the uh, health um, detriments that were occurring within myself Mm -hmm. due to the fact that I was so focused on the physical aspect. So there was, yeah, there's there's so much out there that uh, is creating this toxic environment around food, around body image. Um, Yeah, just society in general has just such a pinpointed focus on this materialistic physical aspect around nutrition, around diet, unfortunately. And yeah, I'd, I'd love to see more and more of this changing so i'd love Mm. to ask you kim Mm. someone that is on that journey someone that is stuck within that um focus on the physical aspect knowing that it's actually causing them harm knowing that it's a they've got a toxic relationship with food or Mm -hmm. with body image Mm -hmm. what do you feel is the first step in them helping to start to shift that starting to change that um so the the first step would be different for every could could be different for everybody, but what I can say is um, one thing that's really helped me with my NLP training is mm. understanding this concept of parts. <laughs> um, what I mean by this is we often have a number of different values, things that are important to us, and especially in the health field, um, it's really common to get in a situation where two of your values or two of your parts are kind of clashing. Interesting. Yeah. So let me explain. So, yeah. um, there is a there is always a positive intention behind 
everything your brain is trying to get you to do. You know, we're, we're all trying to survive. So there is actually a positive intention behind this drive to get leaner and to, you know, be attractive and all that sort of stuff. Obviously, it's some sort of, it's just a survival mechanism. It's like survival of the fittest, you know. We're living in an environment where that is so celebrated. And so, you know, in, you know, it's understandable why we want to change our bodies and fit this, um, you know, this ideal physique. Because, and, you know, it's different for a lot of people, but the common ones I hear, the common, when I actually break this down with people, the positive intention behind that is usually acceptance. Mm. It's usually love. It's usually, um, you know, confidence. So, you know, your part of your brain saying, you know, if you achieve this, then you'll be, yeah. you know, more confident, more attractive, loved. And then if you take that to another level, if you say, okay, once you have that, what do you get that's even more important? And a more chunked up version that usually gets up to happiness. Hmm. So ironically, this part that wants people to diet and do negative things, it, you know, it should, you know, we, we know it's, it's bad, but, um, you know, ultimately there is usually a high, like I say, there's the positive intention behind all of that is happiness. So, um, I actually have to get my clients to, first of all, thank that part for what it's trying to do. Yeah. It's trying to get you to that happier place. But, um, deep down, a lot of people know that it's also not making them happy because it's conflicting with other values. And this is where the parts thing happen. So, um, the, the part of you that doesn't want to diet, that doesn't want to be restrictive, um, uh, the common parts that pull people in that other direction is um, a lot of people value balance, yeah. for example. And, you know, dieting can often take away that value of balance. Mm. Um, and, you know, if you're like you were saying, um, you were feeling tired and, you know, you just weren't feeling good that to me sounds like you also really value your health. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, again, there's that positive intention behind not wanting to count your macros and stuff. It's because you really value your health, mm. but you can, you can probably see, and I hope those of you listening, you, hopefully you can understand that, um, you know, we often, we, we do, we do have different things that are important to us and sometimes they clash. Mm. And what we need to do is, Thank each part for what it's trying to do. And then we need to get these parts to find some sort of middle ground. Right. So how else can you get confidence and, um, you know, feel attractive and all that sort of stuff um, and also be healthy, you mm. know, like how can we, how can we, you know, allow each part to get what they want mm. um, without the conflict? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> love, no, that's beautifully said. Now, from my experience, yeah. I know that for myself, I have been so much more adherable. Um, I, f I found, sorry, following a more healthy approach to food mm -hmm. and less problematic approach to food, mm -hmm. much more adherable when I've been in a very good mental state. So because uh, like when I've been in a state where I'm quite peaceful, I'm less reactive, I'm less compulsive. I have a, I still eat chocolate, love chocolate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I'm much less compulsive with uh -huh. um, eating the foods that I know are going to be problematic for me. So I found that for myself, like a big start for myself was, um, starting from a place of that internal focus and then trying to structure things externally. However, I'm sure like everyone's got their different approach. Everyone's got something that's really feasible for them. But mm. what's maybe a step that you use with people to help them be more adherable with a nutritional approach that's going to, A, of course, benefit them in the physical realm so they can yeah. you know, gain that, um, uh, like maybe a more ideal physique or mm. and or create greater sense of confidence mm. as well as not, um, not, meaning it's going to be detrimental to their health as well while they focus on that aspect yeah okay let me have a think about that one um so you're saying how how do i support people to find that balance between the two yes, parts yes yeah yeah um so first thing is understanding what is actually important to them um so for somebody who really What's important to them is, I guess, um, looking a certain way. Um, it's important to first figure out why, because from my experience, um, if you change the way that you look to, to achieve internal peace, internal confidence, mm. um, I've never actually seen that happen. 
Um, Me neither. Me neither. <laughs> because what tends to happen is, you know, you lose like your your five your five kilos, and then um, you still want more and more and more, and because there's always going to be somebody leaner, always going to be somebody better than you, and so we have to check what do you what is this for? So mm. is this and again is this for self care or is this for self restriction? So it all comes down to the context. If you're if somebody um, say somebody has a goal and they really want to get lean and actually ultimately it's because it's where they feel their best they feel strong um they're most functional like all these you know more important things you could say then that's uh i feel more more confident that when we get to that place that they will actually be content yeah that's beautiful if that makes sense it does absolutely and i'm assuming they'll probably be less compulsive as well um being from a place where they're a little bit more content within themselves so it's no longer um Mm. needing to I know for myself, for example, when mm. I mention compulsive, I don't just yeah. mean compulsive in terms of binge eating. I also mean it yeah. in terms of um, for this week, I'm going to go extreme. I'm going to like, you know, do all the workouts. I'm going to, yeah. yeah the yeah. all or nothing mentality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the all or nothing mentality is just so, so, so common. Um, and I think, yeah. I mean, I could ramble on about that, but I'd just like to, I guess, finish answering your question about how you get people to find that mm. that balance. So, um, like I say, if somebody has like a physique goal, so essential that we figure out why um, to check that even if they did achieve that, are they still just going to feel like they're not, you know, confident? Like we need to find that um, that acceptance and that you know, inner love, like without just changing your body. And it has to be from this place of self-care, not self-restriction. Um, because honestly, like I work with such a wide range of bodies and it's blows my mind slash breaks my heart to see mm. women living in larger bodies, you know, feeling so miserable about how they look. But I've all, I also have women who are shredded in my clinic who are really unhappy and they're just, they're still not confident. So Mm. I don't see a trend between body shape and size and confidence. Yeah. Yeah. And this is something that I hope people get from this podcast is, you know, I wish I could say to you, perhaps it's really that black and white. Once you hit this body shape and size, you'll be happy. You'll be confident, all Mm. that sort of stuff. Um, I wish it was the case. Um, I've just, I haven't seen that happen yet. Mm. Um, Unless you've done the internal work to not to like, to appreciate and love yourself regardless of, you know, of your shape and size. And so that's just such an important part. Um, and it's, it's a, it's not what society leads us to believe. So if you're somebody who's listening to this and you just can't get your head around that, I totally understand. It's how I've been brought up. Um, I've been there. Like I used to genuinely think the smaller and the leaner I was, the more confidence and happy that I'd be. Yeah. And the, least happy I've ever been was when I was at my smallest and my leanest. Yeah. Yeah. I resonate so strongly with that. Yeah. So as well, mine was, um, when I get the most jacked, that was honestly the thing. Like I even at one point got, um, yeah. put myself on, um, testosterone replacement therapy as well. Yeah. Um, which I was getting through guys at the gym and things of like course. that, you know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and man, that, put me in such an imbalanced state physically mm-hmm. and mentally mm-hmm. um, because the mental aspect was the fact that now I had this tool to get like bigger or, you know, uh-huh. um, stronger. Um, wow. And that actually made my relationship with myself more toxic than before, which is crazy. I thought that like, you'd think that almost would be better because now I've got this tool to get that physical body that I was wanting that I saw on Instagram and all that. And yep. then on top of that as well, um, the, uh, chemical imbalance that was occurring the hormonal imbalance that was going mm. on within my body was insane mm. especially once i had to um you know cycle off this uh-huh. testosterone um this is when i was like 22 man it was years ago but yeah um to do that so young as well it just goes to show how um yeah and i know i know of guys unfortunately that start this when they're 18 years old you yeah. know it's just insane how uh accessible unfortunately this stuff is and mm. unfortunately where this is coming from is obviously from this place mm. of needing that confidence feeling they need that yeah. confidence from an external source mm-hmm. when it's actually an internal approach which mm. is one i 100 percent agree because i was actually mm. very insecure even though i was you know gaining the size i had lots yeah. of testosterone in my system didn't change a thing wow yeah. wow yeah. i think that is that i'm so glad that you shared that mm. i think that is so important for your audience because i know that there is a lot of guys out there who do put so much focus on their bodies and and, and how they look and um yeah, I don't know that many of them that would probably admit that, you know, that's not 
necessarily making them as happy as perhaps they thought. I mean, I'm sure there's times where you're like, yeah, look, I look great, but it's just really, it's great to get that different perspective. Um, And also for the girls listening to remember that, you know, they're not alone in this as well. And we're all like men and women, we're all exposed to what I call diet culture, like this pressure to look and and be a certain way. And I think, um, I think part of the reason why, you know, people do get almost more subconscious when they, like the leaner they get is because when you're focusing on changing your body, um, and you'll understand this because you're aware of it, we, we put our attention. If your attention, if you're focusing your attention so much on looking at yourself in the mirror, that's just a recipe for disaster. Massive. So one of the things I get my girls to do is um, we identify what one of their biggest triggers are with body image, which is usually a mirror. Mm. And we look at, well, how often are you looking at yourself and staring at pieces of your body each day? How often do you just look into your mirror and look into your own eyes and look at your hair and, you know, those sort of things like body, we call it body checking. Yeah. And lots and lots of body checking is going to bring all this attention to how you look, your flaws, you're going to start seeing yourself as this body and skin and, you know, whatever, um, instead of you as a person. And I know you can resonate with that. I love that. I love that tool that you've just given. It's so crucial and so so powerful i think um yeah i know for myself when i was going through the bodybuilding phase i um yeah would weigh myself every morning would check myself every morning um and every evening as well um yeah and really like like i've, I've yeah, even got this bo- habit. body grabbing yeah, yeah body got, squeezing i've even still got it i don't yeah. even know i'm doing it sometimes and i still catch yeah. myself doing like what am i doing <laughs> it doesn't yeah. bother me as much anymore i'm um, like it used to which is crazy yeah. but I, it's still like so ingrained and just habit habit yeah 100%. yeah the same habit. way as someone has like that blinking habit or um, grinding yeah. their teeth or whatever but um yeah it's uh yeah it's just that's just such a beautiful step that people can take um i'd love mm. to hear maybe any other um pieces of advice or steps that people can start to take um even today straight away so that they can mm. help uh build a better relationship with their body and with food yeah forward. yeah i mean um lots of tools i mean identifying what your triggers are yeah is is definitely a step you can take so um there are you can kind of put them into different categories but checking yourself in the mirror that's like a something that you actually have control over right yeah. so you can um if your triggers are things like wearing clothes that don't fit you very well so right. a lot of women will like hold on to clothes that are a bit too tight right. thinking that that's going to be motivating for them to lose weight when really it just makes them feel worse and worse and worse and so um yeah common triggers is wearing clothes that aren't comfortable anymore um it's kind of like torturing yourself to be honest yeah. like squeezing into stuff feeling uncomfortable so um it's that there's like obviously weighing yourself like checking yourself in the mirror um these are things that we have control over you yeah. know you can ditch any any clothes that aren't comfortable anymore and shut yourself to some new comfortable ones that give you confidence that's just an easy thing anyone can do to feel better each day Mm. you can consciously work on less body checking you can ditch the scales these are these are easy um the harder ones is dealing with i guess thoughts you know like we can't control when they come in we can just control what we do with them Mm. um yeah and all it takes is for like a friend to talk about a diet or for you know somebody to mention you could be around somebody who's like oh that person looks like they've gained weight that's Mm. gross like that that's that's going to trigger a negative thought Mm. we can't control what other people say um so with those sort of i guess triggers that can just happen at any point um then we need to develop sort of our own our own internal strategies on how we can or basically choosing what what stories and path we go down in our minds yeah um and that's something that i that's very individual so with working with somebody i would get to understand you know when you do have a trigger what comes into your mind um what what happens and then how can we flip that so that it becomes um something that doesn't lead you down like a negative path yeah i see so there's there's that side of things yeah, so i did find well. triggers and then yeah really- creating a situation where either you've created a better relationship with them or yeah Mm. moved away from them i love that yeah yeah it's like what's the trigger what happens what do you do do you 
start self-criticizing? Do you start imagining that you were skinnier? Like, you know, we're all doing something in our mm. head, right? So what's the trigger? What are you doing? What would you like to do instead? Love that. Simple. <laughs> it sounds simple, yeah. doesn't it? But yeah. Um, yeah. But applying it is a different story because once someone's in that trigger, right, fight or flight. Uh, yeah. True. It yeah. happens so quickly. Yeah. It happens so quickly. But this is, I know you do a lot of this work, mm. is um, helping people kind of and like slow down this whole process yeah. and instead of all these thoughts feelings emotions happening like that it's understanding that there's actually a number of things that happen and it's figuring out you know where does it go wrong yeah. <laughs> um and let's change change where it goes wrong whether yeah. it's a ne- negative talk or anything like that yeah, yeah. awesome right. yeah i love that and now you've mentioned diet culture a few times mm. and how that affects mental health so i'd love you yeah. to speak a little bit more on what diet culture is, mm. how it affects our mental health and what we can do about it. Yeah. I mean, we've, um, we've talked a bit about that already, which is great, but yeah, it's, um, the word sort of diet culture could mean all sorts of things, right? Um, even just the word diet that shouldn't necessarily have like ha- have had to turn into such a negative word. I mean, your diet could just be what you eat. Mm. Um, but because of, um, you know, our society today and, there's so many different diets you could say ways of eating um to me a diet is something that is focused on restriction not self-care okay um a diet will usually involve um set rules where you have to eat a certain way and there isn't a the permission to to choose i see so you know you could do a um you could choose to just start eating vegan, for example. And if you're doing that from a place of, I'm doing this for my body, like, you know, like for, for my health, and you feel that you could have something that's not vegan and then be okay with it, I wouldn't say that you're dieting. I would say that you are trialing a certain way of eating um, and you have this permission to veer from that without it leading to guilt or anxiety or thinking that you've fallen off the wagon or, or failed so for it to be yeah for it to be diet diet culture is when there's there's these rules there's this lack of permission to be flexible um you're not listening to your body anymore there's a, it's this concept of being on or off the wagon you know um i'm so passionate about this idea that um there is no such thing as failing or falling off the wagon um every eating experience is just an opportunity for learning oh beautiful yeah, yeah one of my favorite ones um so yeah there should never be a sense of, of failure um it's all just learning and we you know it should be based on health not just um shrinking yeah. your body yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. or or but I'm so used to saying shrinking your body because that's what women want. But, you know, talking to you, I know that for guys, it's this um, pressure to also be big too, yeah, right? Yeah. So actually, it's kind of ch- changing changing your body in a way that's not necessarily natural and yeah. as opposed to doing it for health reasons. Yeah. And mm. yeah, like um, I'd love to add even from um, my share around the fact that I found focusing on eating the things and eating in the way that's going to benefit me the most has been the easiest when mm-hmm. i've um, focused on my internal realm and internal mm. world and helping myself become more content more at peace with the mm. way things are so i'm less compulsive mm. um also as well uh yeah as i've focused of course on um eating things that do serve me in a much more profound way my mental health consequently has improved so I'd love Amazing. to actually, yeah, so mm. I'd actually love to touch on um, a little bit around how eating in a more holistic way mm. and how eating in a way that actually is going to serve my body mm. um, and how eating in a way where my intention for eating is actually to focus on health mm. rather than focusing on the physical aspect as the primary mm. reason. That's mm. certainly a secondary reason. That's mm. going to be a consequence of it anyway. That's fine. Mm. But primarily focusing on the holistic aspect what are the benefits there oh well it's just this might be a word that not everyone aligns with but alignment yeah yeah i don't know what else to say i yeah. mean um i think the you know 
I think living a life of alignment mm. is um, is one of the ways that we can achieve internal peace. Mm. You know, um, and I know that when people are doing things from a place of self restriction, mm. they're not feeling aligned because it doesn't feel like self care. Like as right. humans, we're we're not programmed to punish ourselves every day. We're not programmed to be restrictive. Like we, you know, deep deep down like subconsciously like your mind is trying to look after like you're you're trying to look after yourself Mm. right and so when you are um eating and looking and you know taking care of your health from this more you know caring place that's you're going to feel so much more aligned and there's going to be way less internal conflict Mm. and that's actually something that i think is important to talk about is you know internal internal conflict a lot of people you know, if you're listening, you know, most of us know what this feels like. You're just, there's just something not right. Mm. You know, you're eating a certain way and you're, um, you know, you're thinking like, I'm meant to be doing this to feel good. Why am I not feeling good? Mm. You know, and it's, it's usually, like I say, because you're, you're not, you, you think you're looking after yourself, but you know, subconsciously it's not care. It's restriction. It's, mm. you know, deprivation and, so yeah, by eating in a non-diet way, you'll feel a lot more aligned. You'll start to feel a lot more at peace, and yeah. that's a great place for us all to be. Massively, massively. Yeah. So it's, yeah, there's going to be um, yeah. It sounds like there'll be less resistance, less stress in their lives. Uh, yeah. Yeah, within that process. So also, when someone is uh, more capable of focusing on health first mm-hmm. over the physical aspects first, yeah. what are um, what are the other benefits? Yeah, what are the other benefits? Like um, energy, information, things around that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, um, yeah, I'm just trying to think. Um, benefits that you wouldn't even necessarily think of. So, like, some of the small wins that I yeah. love hearing from my clients um, that are totally non, sometimes not even health-related, but um, better connections with their family. Wow. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Um, because they're not so focused on the perfect diet and enjoying, they're able to enjoy social occasions without any, you know, fear or anxiety. Um, they're able to perform better at work, um, and fuel their, their actual, you know, passion and purpose because, you know, for worrying about what you're eating and trying to figure out, you know, the right diet to do. It's so much time and energy. Mm-hmm. And I see it taking away from what's more important to people, which is usually, you know, um, progressing in their career, um, building a good relationship. Like a lot of, um, you know, I work with couples sometimes. And, it, you know, when as, as a female and as a male, if you're both a lot more secure and not dieting all the time, yeah. um, better connection there yeah you know so it's just the 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 it's such a um a massive ripple effect um Mm. when you are able to let go of food restriction and yeah like i say better relationships better connections living your best life yeah and then naturally that's going to flow into less anxiety happier person in general um less stress all that sort of stuff yeah 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 Yeah. and truly feeling a lot more aligned in how you're living your life yeah yeah i'd love you to speak on intuitive eating what are your thoughts on that and how do people go about it yeah that's a a good one in a healthy way um so i think first of all uh is to understand that intuitive eating is getting talked about um, a lot on social media, but they're not necessarily referring to um, the full intuitive eating protocol um, by Evelyn Tribble. So I don't know if I pronounced that right, but there is, it, it's actually like a, a proper evidence-based um, practice. It's not as simple as just eat what you feel like and stop when you're full. Yeah. So the actual- I've done that before. There's no full- and there's no exactly and what I feel like is always chocolate. <laughs> yes, yes. So it depends. So um, the full intuitive eating like process yeah. is really good. It's actually a ten step process. There's so much foundational work. Um, they they talk a lot about like that mindfulness. They really prepare you to actually be able to listen to your hunger cues and mm. you know like part of the 
actual intuitive eating process is like ditching diet culture, um, challenging the food police. There's like, there's so much to it. It's like a complete, like intuitive eating should be this complete mindset shift. And it's a massive like self-care framework. So that's what intuitive eating actually is, is that full 10 step protocol. I just want to make that clear to start with. Um, But a lot of people will just see as intuitive eating as, um, you know, if I just listen to my body and eat whatever I feel like and stop when I'm full, that I'll be healthy. And I don't think that's true because mm. it's it's not enough. There's too much, um, I guess, disruptors to our innate intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> what I mean by that is, um, you know, back in historical times, we didn't have so much processed food available. We mm. didn't have high energy food available. And so um, it was a lot easier to make decisions that worked well for our bodies and well for our physiology but we are unfortunately programmed to make the most of high energy food when it's available and so when we are walking through the supermarket or we're looking at drive-throughs and stuff um unfortunately like there is part of our brains that just wants to make the most of it because it doesn't know when the winter fast is coming so that's what i mean by it's like an environmental disruptor to um you know our bodies and their mm, intelligence. I don't, so I don't, yeah, I don't know the other more basic version to say that, but yeah. I hope your listeners understand. So, um, because of that, because we've got all this, you know, high energy dense food available, having some knowledge around how to, you know, eat in a way to support all your body systems, I think is really, really helpful. And so I would never just say to my client, um, just eat whatever you feel like like there's a reason why we you know i also teach them about how foods are affecting their bodies so they can go out into this really confusing world and um you know feel a little bit more confident in terms of where to start yeah yeah Yeah. so let's speak about that for a second so where to start let's talk more about sort of things that people might should um that should probably start avoiding that could be detrimental to their a health or b mental health Yeah, yeah yeah gotcha so um What's really interesting is there are a lot, lots of different like ways of eating you could say out there, but one, and there's a lot, a lot of research to, that supports a lot of different diets, you see, so it can get really confusing. So that's what's been interesting as well, is I've seen like a lot of strong research on something like, for example, the carnivore diet, you know, and there's strong research and like as an antagonist to the carnivore diet, which is so interesting to see, um, depending on which variables they look at. Or mm-hmm. depending on um, how they control the study, it's just, it's just yeah. so confusing for so many people. Yeah. Of course, like for myself, I found a very um, yeah. like something that works for me, which is fantastic. But that's yeah. not for everyone. So uh, that's what I'm interested to hear about from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred yeah. um, percent. So much evidence support say paleo, yeah. and then there's so much evidence support to support say a plant-based <laughs> yeah. diet. Yeah. And then yeah. you've got all these Netflix documentaries, and yeah. you've got these professors saying this way of eating is incredible. Look at all these health mm. impacts, and then. Uh, another documentary with a different way of eating saying no this is the best way Mm. so clearly um what we should be seeing from this is that our bodies have the ability to survive and thrive off of quite a wide range of eating patterns love that um and the you know one thing that they all have in common is that they are all whole food ah yeah whether it's high carb, low carb, yeah. paleo, whatever. Yeah. Um, there are some populations that, you know, have a really high saturated fat diet, you know, and they have been surviving and thriving off high amounts of coconut oil and carbs and, you know, and then another population that has mostly protein. Mm. And so, um, but, you know, generationally, like, they're doing fine. Yeah. And so um, what I've noticed is that, yeah, one thing they all have in common is that, they're all, it's all real food. And so, um, no one can really argue with that. You know, there's this one thing we know for sure is that humans do better eating food that, um, you know, your body recognizes. Mm. So that's always a great place to start. And what I mean by whole food for those listening is, is food in its most natural state. It is a bit of a spectrum because, you know, some people would say, oh, a tin like can of tin tomatoes isn't whole food because it has like a preservative in it. Mm. Um, it's it can be quite hard to go completely 
no additives. And so it's kind of a matter of doing the best you can yeah. given our environment. So if you can eat foods that are as in their most natural state as possible, mm. your body knows what to do. Mm. It's like reducing the load. Um, when there's things going into your body that it doesn't recognize, is yes, it can handle it. Your liver's amazing. It can just send all the crap to your liver and it will deal with it. But, mm. um, you know, like we, we want to be kind to our bodies and we want to be trying to eat in a way that supports like our natural systems yeah. um, so it can do all its jobs properly in the most like efficient way possible. So Love that. yeah, that would be, that is one piece of generic advice yeah. I can give to, yeah. to well, everybody on a podcast is mostly real food. Yeah. Yeah. And what is the detriment yeah. of relying on your liver to take care of things constantly? Oh, just like so much. It's like, you know, it's where your metabolism takes place. It's uh, where we, we, it's where we recycle, um, like hormones. Yeah. So women have a lot of issues if they get, um, if their liver's under a lot of load, they have yeah. higher levels of circulating estrogen, mm. which, which causes problems with their menstrual cycles mm. and too much estrogen, estrogen in your system can actually increase risk of cancer mm. as well. So, um, and like I say, it's like your, your energy producing hub. So mm. you want to be supporting your liver as much as you possibly can, because it's just got so much to do. Yeah. Like it's just such a massive job. It's amazing. And you know, our bodies are amazing. Um, what they do for us. I think we almost take it for granted sometimes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's interesting in some cultures, how they actually prioritize the liver over the heart in terms of how they look at organs in the body. It's really yeah. interesting seeing that. Yeah. So I see what you mean. So important. Yeah. Yeah. So for the listeners, yeah, you can look after your liver simply by being mindful that, you know, if you put things in your body that it has to send to the liver, you're just increasing that load. And so the main things to watch out for um, is like artificial yeah. additives and things, um, alcohol, caffeine actually is also metabolizing your liver. Yeah. Um, and oh, what was the other one? <clears throat> oh, I can't remember. Those are like the... Oh, sorry. Um, fructose. Oh, okay. Fructose. Okay. Yeah. Too much fructose I can see. also have to, like go via your liver as well. Yeah. So, so what what um what would you say about fruit then? Um. So they they say that um ideally no more than twenty four grams of fructose per day to prevent insulin resistance. So what okay. we do know about fructose is that too much fructose does increase um like can can lead to more insulin resistance. Okay. To 24 grams of fructose, that would give you, that would be about two servings of real fruit a day. Okay. Yeah. Um, in saying that, again, we always got to do this like population check. Um, just because a research says, oh yeah, any more than 24 grams of fructose a day, you're going to, you know, create insulin resistance. Yeah. I also know populations where they have a heap ton of fruit a day and they also seem to yeah. be surviving and thriving. Yeah, true. And so with any piece of research, um, if you ever see it, like, be like, that's really interesting. But then I always do a bit of a population check. Mm. Are there whole populations that are surviving and thriving off what they're, like, yeah. not saying sort of thing? And if they are, it's like, well, there's, it's obviously not that black and white. Wow, that's so interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, because I've, I've definitely heard of certain, like, yog yogic pop, like, over in, like, the Eastern world, you know, yeah. that live off fruit. Exactly. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. It's so interesting. Wow. Yeah. 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 So, um, of course, you've mentioned preservatives. So, what exactly is this doing to the liver? To be honest, I don't know too much okay. of the details. It's more just understanding that what how our immune system works yeah. is that if it sees things going into your system that it doesn't recognize. It may or may not launch some sort of mini mini attack on it. Ah, okay. Yeah. So your immune system's there to protect us. It's amazing, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's just being mindful that if it does decide to target something as an invader, that will cause a little inflammatory response. Yeah. You might not feel that. You might have no idea. Um, and this brings us to that concept of like chronic inflammation. Yeah. Which um, can be a big... Um precursor to something like autoimmune diseases kind of yeah yeah yeah, yeah. all it's all yeah all, all linked in yeah. yeah yeah um so yeah again but you've got to be careful here and this is where it gets interesting right we started this talk um focused on having a healthy relationship with food yeah and being restrictive that's so true right um and so there's this always this, this balance with having this nutrition knowledge yeah but then also reducing stress and anxiety around food yeah, so true so i i 
feel like I have to be very careful how I present this sort of information because if I'm passionate about getting people to not be so stressed about what they're eating but yeah. also provide information, yeah. um, you can see how sometimes that clashes because the see. last thing I'd want is for somebody to listen to this and then think that they're failing or not being doing good enough because they had a can of tin tomatoes. Yeah, I see. I so see. that's not where we're going with this. It's yeah. more like um, let's just have this general awareness yeah. about and build up effect of these things yeah. as opposed to the all or nothing approach like yeah, you were saying before. Absolutely. And then also yeah. understanding as well, um, as you mentioned, the body is actually capable of taking on a big loading. So um, it is important to slowly, incrementally <laughs> Uh, start to make these shifts in an adherable yeah. way, one that is actually yeah. sustainable for that person, uh, rather than in yeah. like this all or nothing approach. And in fact, totally. there's yeah. many negatives to doing all or nothing approach, not just oh, in terms yeah. of a psychological sense, but also yeah. um, a physical health sense. I know for myself, when I've yeah. changed my diet drastically, my body's even like if I've had a healthy yeah. um, intention with it, yeah. it's actually um, my body has reacted in some ways, like um, like hasn't really adjusted to the food. I felt lethargic for a while because my body's adjusting to this new approach. And, I would love to know yeah. what you did there. Yeah. Like what, for, what, what change did you do to, what did you go from, you know, was it this to this? What, uh, what was it? Oh, well, when I went vegan, for example. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. So, so you went from what high? Um, so yeah, high meat consumption to, to vegan. completely vegan, yeah. completely. Um, yeah. And yeah, okay. that was, and then over time, um, yeah. th- like my body got used to that and it was fine. Um, or like when I came out of ketosis, for example. So yeah. when I was in, I did a keto diet for like 12 weeks or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then like coming out of that, you'd think that um, the utilization of glucose all of a sudden would be something the body would love. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, which was for a little bit, but, but then I dipped again um, yeah. because my body, it's like my body was starting to get used to having yeah. all this glucose yeah. uh, rather than just running on ketones. And it was just really interesting having those drastic shifts. Yeah. Um, and like again your your body's your body's smart and it's very clever and the reason like this is just what you've ex- what you've um talked about is something i help a lot of people with is yeah. um having them understand why you can go from this to this and just feel like horrendous yeah um and i really you know i, I the way i see it is well your body's on your side so if you're like okay we're gonna just be eating lots of carbohydrates yeah. now your body's like all right yeah cool all right i guess we're i guess we're gonna like you know upregulate these these enzymes and these genes that we can accommodate for this you know Mm. you'll have an increased production in amylase and Mm. just your your body will be like cool we'll adjust to help you deal with this and in the best the way that it can it'll do its very best to adjust for you yeah and then it gets used to using say carbohydrates as a fuel and Mm. it's like cool i got this we're fueling off carbs Mm. i know what energy to use um, if you all of a sudden like say strip carbs out and then say, just kidding, I want you to use fat as your main fuel source. Mm. Um, for a while there, your body's like, but, but, but carbs is what we use for fuel. So it's kind of like, I think your body actually just gets really confused when these massive shifts, you've been teaching it that carbs are what food it has. Mm. And then you just immediately ask it to start using something else. It's going to take a bit of adjustment mm. for your body to be like, oh, okay, well, hang on. Let me downregulate these en- like these enzymes and these genes. Let me upregulate these ones so I can deal with this better. But you're going to have this transition phase. And I hope people listening remember that, that, yeah, yeah. you know, if you want to do change your diet up, just be kind to your body. Give it a bit of a, a heads up. <laughs> um, ease, ease into it. Otherwise, you will feel like crap because yeah. your body is trying to figure out where to get the energy from yeah. for a certain period of time yeah. yeah and i guess unfortunately giving it a heads up isn't as simple as being like hey body guess what i know <laughs> we're vegan tomorrow <laughs> yeah exactly unfortunately not no 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 um wouldn't that be cool if yeah. it was like <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what we're doing body come on yeah yeah um, just kidding <laughs> yeah but, uh, yeah I, no i love that yeah. i guess a big key t- um takeaway um that can be applied is the fact that these uh, different approaches or modalities, uh, yes, mm. are impo- um, oh, yes, important. The most important is something that's adherable to you, something that's 100%. adherible to the individual, and the most adherable and the most enjoyable, mm-hmm. and in such a way where um, mm-hmm. uh, education is applied in a way mm-hmm. that is easeful, not in a way that's complex. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. so th- the idea with this podcast for sure is to give you guys information, give you guys um, some understanding as um some education around how some of these things work within our body because of mm. this understanding, then you can apply that information to the way that best suits you rather 100%. than um, just giving you a strict 
um, one size fits all diet approach and mm. saying like follow this or um, mm. you know use this tool it's about actually understanding how all these mechanisms work because then you can now then apply them in the way that best suits you so 100%. that's why I do also want to ask um, about foods that maybe will benefit people um, foods that maybe bring more energy into people's lives help reduce inflammation are, are there any sort of like food groups or foods that you want to touch on around that not really like okay. there's nothing there's nothing in particular and um i think this is it's good that you asked that because it, it's something that a lot of people do want to know like yeah. you know what specific food like what's going to create like give me health like um you know we want these kind of like specific answers and you know our, our body is just so complicated mm. we need, like everything plays a role we need a bit of everything yeah. we need good quality carbs fats protein we need fiber um and so <sighs> Like the best thing we can do is to at least start with the basics, yeah. you know, let's start with including every nutrient group is, nice. is a good place to start. So instead of being like, oh, you know, keto or, or vegan, just, right, just I see. start with a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, see how that, see how that feels. Keep it to mostly real food. Yeah. Listen to your body. Um, question like the food police, like question the, you know people who say like this one thing will uh, yeah. solve all the problems yeah. you know like or this um, one thing will kill you or, or this yeah, one thing yeah. will kill you exactly 100 percent. yeah it's um there might be you know er like d different things in life where you where there is sort of black and white answers for them and health nutrition is just not one of those things yeah, yeah. and people who i think have more of like that perfectionist um you know personality I think they, um, I noticed that they, they struggle with nutrition quite a lot because they, you know, if a perfectionist comes to see me, they want to know exactly what to eat. Yeah. What's going to make me amazing. Mm. Like to tell me exactly what to do and I'll do it. And mm. I'm like, I'm sure you will. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm not the expert of anyone's body. Like everyone is the expert of their own body Yeah. and we can't, Yeah. There's no magic pill, unfortunately. We've just got to keep listening to it and, um, yeah, being being flexible. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Oh, thank you. All right, so I just <laughs> got to that question. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you did well with yeah. that. You did well with that. Um, now, I'd love to just to give the audience a little bit of understanding as to where you're coming from with your passion around nutrition, yeah. mental health. Um, yeah. Do you mind just like sharing maybe... Uh, your experience with um, food when there's been a toxic relationship with food or a toxic relationship um, with nutrition, like maybe your experience that you've had and what that's, how that's affected you. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll try and keep it like relatively brief, but mm. um, yeah, I guess the reason why I'm so passionate um, about what I do is I have lived a life where food was totally controlling me. I actually had an eating disorder um, called bulimia. It's a really, um, really, really tricky habit to break. And that just, yeah, it was just, it took so much joy out of life. And I know what it's like to feel like, you know, so much anxiety and fear and um, not being able to be present at social events because you're so focused on the food and how you're looking. And um, I've seen how much, the sort of relationships with, with food can kind of suck the joy out of life. And, um, I'm, and I see it happen with other girls too. And, you know, that's why I'm just so passionate about ending eating disorders, ending those, this like obsession, because as I was saying to you, you were saying, what's the flow on effect of it? Well, it's huge flow on effects, yeah. flow on effects. It's not just about confidence. It's yeah. about not, not being present at your best friend's wedding, mm. for example, you know, um, losing you know having fights with your partner um all that sort of relationshipy stuff as well and so um yeah it's and where that where that for me stemmed from was this pressure to look and be a certain way it was celebrating a weight shape and size i remember getting when I, I got into running and when I was like 14 and I lost a little bit of weight, it wasn't much, but I got quite lean and I got so much positive attention from that. It was like, wow, you look amazing. And, um, 
and in like body image body image coaching you know I teach people about this concept of a we call it a developmental lens so it's like when did you first learn that a weight shape and size had some sort of value attached when did you learn that you know my arm's bigger than their arm and that means a bad thing Hmm. so um and some people learn that very very early on and so for me that was I think around that time it was learning that people celebrate a certain body shape and size and if they celebrate being small what does that mean if you gain weight Mm -hmm. and um yeah that's how I probably got got sucked into it and and then I got hit with Instagram and that body bodybuilding scene and again so much celebration for being lean yeah just just such a yeah so for those for those listening, um, you know, you can play your role in really being really mindful of um, the sort of, I guess, praise you give if your friends are, say, losing weight. Just be really, really careful because if you say, you know, oh, you look amazing, you've lost five kilos, like, that might make them feel good at that point. But if they were to gain those five kilos back, it's going to have this negative flow and effect. They're going to yeah. think that this is a negative thing, even if actually that was your healthiest weight. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how yeah. do we how do we change the way that we support our peers? Do you, we need to stop yeah. talking about diets. Yeah. Um, and we need to um, support our peers and not and, and realizing that they are so much more than their body. Um, we need to say you know we need to be asking are they okay? Um, yeah, just how you look should just shouldn't be so important Mm. I think yeah and um shifting conversation I think is something that we can try and do so if like you know someone's like oh like you know if they want to talk about body fat or whatever we can just say you know we can just move the conversation like anyway you know how are you doing at work you know and um you know what are you up to this weekend um hey like what should we plan to do should we go for like a walk in nature like what fun things should we do Mm. just shifting conversation away from that is something that we can all start all start doing. Love yeah. that. Love that. Yeah. It's been amazing. Yeah. Do you have any other last piece of advice or anything else that you'd like to share before we bring this little conclusion? I do. Please? I would like to share one that I, I learned from a guy called Jim Fortin. He's one of the leaders in subconscious transformation. And um, I really resonated with this concept that, you know, it's kind of like taking like we are not our bodies to a whole new level. And for those of you listening to realize that you, if you can try and think of your body as just kind of like a, it's like a rental car. It's just, it's kind of just a sack of skin that you've been put in to get through this life. Um, and if you start learning that it's, like I say, it's, it's not, it's not you, you know, you are, I mean, you, you, I think Karen, you can, explain who we are better than I can. I'm just, you know, learning more about this stuff. But um, Mm. I know that you understand this, but learning that if you can start looking into your own eyes in the mirror and realizing it's just a body, you know? Mm. What if this was just just a sack of skin that you've been put on to get through life? If we can start, like, we want to look after your, you want to look after your rental car, right? You don't want to drop it off at the end and be like, you know, it's like completely run down mm. and you know, it's been that's expensive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We want to look after our rental car, but, um, yeah, removing, yeah, that being so important. Um, I've worked really hard to do that for myself and it's, it's been, it's created a lot more peace for mm. me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's reduced my ego and how much I judge others as well. Wow. Yes. Yes, I feel that. I resonate with that a lot. Mm. Yeah, like um, creating a lesser yeah. attachment to A, my body, and B, how I want my body to be as well. 100%. Um, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. if I'm focusing on um, on my body and how I like, you know, whether I like it or not like it or whatever, and thinking that because I my body is a certain shape and size, it, it means that I'm, you know, better or whatever yeah. that society tries to say. Um, it's it's not... It, it, it creates an ego. And... Um, I think letting go of that creates it creates way more connection and we're always operating from a better place when we let go of the ego. Yeah, I feel that. Kim, thank you so much for this. This has been honestly incredible. I've learned a lot myself, so I'm sure many people on here have as well. 
So I'd actually love to encourage people to go and follow Kim. So Kim, where can these amazing people follow you? So they can follow me um, on Kimberly Bell Nutritionist. Yeah. Um, there's actually going to be a name change very soon. So if you're listening, you're going to be the f- actually I think the first to hear about this publicly. Mm. So the, the new Instagram handle is going to be Mind Your Nutrition NZ. Amazing, amazing. So this will actually be out in about two and a half weeks from when we're recording it. So so it might yeah. even be out by yeah. now. Who knows? Yeah. But if not, then it's very close to. Mm. So um, either Kimberly Bell Nutritionist or Mind Your Nutrition NZ if it's been launched by then. Amazing. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It's been awesome. It has been awesome. It has been awesome. So guys, uh, I highly recommend following Kim. Uh, Honestly, there's just such a wealth of knowledge behind even the things that we've touched on. We've literally scratched the surface of uh, what Kim has to offer, especially as she's delving deeper into neuro-linguistic programming. Honestly, there's just such a wealth of understanding there that you guys can 100% learn from, not just around the nutrition field, but around the mental field as well. So head on over there. And guys... I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in once again. Uh, this has been an amazing uh, interview to kickstart this new season, which has been amazing. And uh, yeah, be sure to subscribe and uh, and also give us a review as well on Pocket Coaches. This does actually enable us to reach more people. What um, iTunes and Spotify tend to do is they'll help promote these episodes more um, and hopefully and ideally reach more people that, are, that this information is actually going to help. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you taking those steps can really help us. So, um, yeah, if, if you feel like this is assisting you anyway, please do so. And um, other than that, guys, um, yeah, you can also f- uh, catch us on Instagram. Good old, um, oh, I started a new Instagram account, by the way. So, Keza the Coach. All right, you can find that in the description uh, as I've ditched my old one. I'll talk more about that at some other stage. And also this Instagram, uh, sorry, this podcast's Instagram, The Pocket Coach. Again, you can find this all in the description below alongside Kimberly's uh, social links as well. All right, guys. Lots of love. I'll catch you later.